Welcome to this series of Warriors Unite podcast with me, your host, Carla. Here I've created a platform for people with dysautonomias, chronic illness, and invisible illness, where we can all come together to advocate, educate, and of course, make awareness to all these conditions. I myself, 17 years ago, was diagnosed with a chronic illness called POTS, so I do know how important it is that we get all this information out. So I do hope you can come along and join in as us warriors unite. Hello and welcome to Warriors Unite podcast with me, your host, Carolyn. And today's warrior joining us is the lovely Alice. Hey, Alice. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, a bit sweaty. Okay. As Alice is today's warrior and guest, and again, thank you for joining us. We're going to leave it over to you and you can tell us a little bit and educate and advocate for your chronic illness. Okay, so um, hi, um, I have endometriosis, um, which is is well known, but also isn't very well known. I had only heard about it for the first time when I was sat in front of a gynecological specialist telling me that I had endometriosis about three years ago. Um, the condition itself, it's a condition of the reproductive system, essentially the lining of the of your womb, of your uterus, um, grows outside of your outside of your uterus and on your different organs around your stomach. There's like four degrees of it. So there's like uh, stages one to four. Um, the varying degree depends on how much there is, how much scar tissue there is, um, and how far it's traveled. There have been people who've ha- had it like found around their heart and stuff. So it can travel quite high up up the body and um, attack your organs quite harshly. The, the condition itself is, um, it's a lot to do with chronic pain. For me, the majority of that happens when I'm due on my period or I'm um, on my periods. A lot of the times it's, well, there's so many different symptoms, to be honest, like it's pure exhaustion all the time. Uh, I always feel tired, um, sometimes more so than others. I have extremely painful periods, extremely heavy periods. So I'll have a heavy flow for a full seven days mm-hmm. where I'm like using a super plus tampon and a maxi pad kind of mm-hmm. thing at the same time because it's just where it's impossible to go about your day and like I'll be on the toilet every hour changing on the hour kind of thing um sometimes I've been hospitalized because of the severity of the pain um and I pass out a lot as well so when the pain gets really really bad um especially if it's like a shock one that I've not been able to like get under control um I'll pass out which means I've also had multiple concussions which has always been fun um lots of ice cream for those ones mm-hmm. um and well like it's, it's a whole body thing a lot of people think um like at work they think it just happens when it's on my period actually it can happen at any time it can affect you at any time um there's no cure for endometriosis which I think is is really quite sad um considering I mean just in the UK 1.5 million women in the UK have endometriosis and that's mm-hmm. the one that's been diagnosed with it it takes between like seven and 10 years to get a diagnosis um, for endometriosis. And I actually think that's less to do with the condition and more to do with doctors not caring. Mm. Um, a lot of it is you'll go to the doctor, you'll say you have a heavy period or you're having pain or you'll tell them your symptoms and they'll brush you off. They did it 
to me for years I, I went to them when I was at school about passing out and the doctor they did like ECGs and stuff and nothing came back because they weren't looking in the right place and the doctor sent a letter to my mum basically saying that I was faking passing out um so after that like I didn't go back to the doctors for years it was only when um with my ex that I kept passing out mm. again and it was no longer possible to hide it from anyone um that I like pushed I changed my doctors and then I pushed to see a specialist and when I eventually saw a specialist straight away she was a bit like yeah you've got endometriosis uh, there's no cure um, but we're just going to give you loads of hormones essentially to try and control that. Um, endometriosis it is, it is basically it's an inflammation disease it's a hormone disease um, it's it is pretty debilitating in the NHS um, they have like a list of like the 20 most painful conditions endometriosis is in that that list of top 20 and it's one of the first that is an actual chronic um, lifetime illness a lot of them um, are short-term things that mm. you recover from there is no recovery from endometriosis and um, there, there's also very very little research a lot of people are really naive in thinking that um, I've been told it loads of times, which is absolutely heartbreaking. I'll just have kids and then it will mm. go away, which is a load of, if we're, I was about to swear, it's a load of rubbish. Um, how, just having kids does not solve it. You still have it. Um, you would literally have to have all of it removed and probably the whole of your reproductive system removed in order for you to, to stop it entirely. Um, you can control it through different ways. I'm still learning about that. Of course. Um, but uh, I've actually learned most of my information through one teaching about it and therefore doing my own research because while I'm a teacher I teach multiple subjects but um, one thing we my school does really well is we teach children properly and in depth about mental health mm -hmm. um, and about your female reproductive system and all of those different conditions and we, we teach children about that properly and I think that's a really important thing because I was never ever taught any of this and I think that's probably the biggest bugbear as well is the fact that I can't go to a doctor to find out information because they don't have the time and they don't want to invest in in me in that way I have to go to other people on social media I have to follow endometriosis um like groups on Instagram yeah. or I go to nutritionists about it mm. I even I got this book off a nutritionist I can't remember the author I'll send you the name after but it was specifically about endometriosis and it's one lady she did all of her research into it and it goes through different dietary needs it goes through loads of different things because actually all doctors want to do is they want to give you contraceptive contraception sorry and hormones to stop your period in the hope that that would ease it or slow it down like the, the, the quick fix really isn't it to yeah. them like yeah I find it a lot it is medical gaslighting because we had a lot of these chronic illnesses um would haven't gone through it myself to doctors if they don't know any information about it they just they have no interest they don't want to learn about it so you do have to self-advocate for yourself you do have to make awareness and it's a lot a lot of research yourself and that's hence why doing doing this podcast is to get more research out there because I know 17 years ago I would have liked to have had information and there was nothing there on Google, on Google and the doctors were saying I give you a diagnosis you know you have POTS get on with the rest of your life but what about all this, the symptoms you know and do doctors are doing that. And the lack of awareness as well it affects everyone's work life so um, for me I've had to have 
quite a few battles. Um, I'm a PE teacher. Mm-hmm. If I suddenly get some severe pain, I have to sit down in my lesson. Now, my, my classes, of course, we all have like those moments where our classes behave badly, but my classes don't tend to do that. I have a really good rapport with my students. So if I sit down in a PE lesson for 10 minutes, it doesn't affect my lesson. But I've okay. been told, like, you're, if I'm professional, you're not allowed to sit down in your lesson. And it, when I turn around and say, well, I have this condition, you're very much aware of it. I'm in a lot of pain. If I don't sit down, that's going to get worse. And if I don't manage it, it's going to get worse. And one of the responses at first was, well, um, the other students and the other staff don't know you have a condition, so you can't sit down. And I just thought, well, that's absolutely, that's absolutely ridiculous. Like if I ticked on um, like my detail box that I was mm. disabled because it technically does it make disability, yeah. Um, if I was if I t- ticked that I could have taken them to court and to a tribunal over that because it's it's um I don't actually know what the ism is for that but it's definitely it's ableism um yeah. and it's it's not good enough and then it also shows the girls that we teach or the boys that we teach that that's the way you treat those and you keep it undercover and it's a it's a massive like just periods in general is just a massive oh. subject which is an absolute joke you go to a doctor they'll give you a contraception at the age of like 13 mm, if they manage like, to come on yet yeah very young if you have an issue you go to the doctor they're like here take this pill for the rest of your life even though they know the mental health implications of putting those hormones in your body even yes. though they know the physical um the physical implications of that mm. even though like at the moment there's this big thing obviously about covid and the vaccine having a high risk of blood clots well actually female contraception has a, a higher high risk yeah. of blood clots, and no one seems to care about that mm. they even um they were even in the process of creating a male contraceptive um mm. similar to some of the female ones and they stopped it because because of the risk of blood clots even though it was less than the risk for women and because of the side effects which were the same but because it was for a man, it was deemed that they... It yeah, as women, it's okay, women, you can have it. Leave the men alone yeah. kind of a thing, isn't it? Yeah. And that's a societal thing. That's a, um, a misogynistic thing as well. And the patriarchy altogether, just completely against women. And a lot of the times we don't even see it like, um, like it's embarrassing to go and buy tampons. Why is that embarrassing? It shouldn't be, yeah, it shouldn't be really. The fact that there was a tampon tax, like what the hell we don't choose to have periods they they are given to us when we are born with those organs when we're born with the reproductive system and when we're given our gender when we're born it's not it's not something we choose I mean I think I would have chosen to be a man because it seems to be a lot easier a lot easier (laughs) (laughs) before before we go down that road of that discussion um can I just take you back a second Alice to when did you first kind of notice your symptoms and when gave you the push to go and see some medical help so I I first noticed it I don't even remember what age I started my period I do remember going I feel like blood shouldn't be coming from there this must be what the period is um and after like the first few weeks I just kind of noticed that they were extremely heavy and my mum always said oh I had heavy periods so you'll be fine um so kind of just ignored it um I don't think my mum meant to necessarily like gaslight me in that way but that's just the education she was given and that's just what she's been told her whole Mm -hmm. life well same with my siblings my sisters I have seven sisters all told the same thing I'm I'm even guilty of telling children at school well you're gonna have a period for the rest of your life just get on with it like that's a joke that was really bad of me I shouldn't have done that um but when it definitely I think my later teens when I was in like year uh, I think it was like year 10 and 11 um that's when I'd started passing out 
Um, and I remember overhearing teachers talk about how they thought I was faking it. And so I made a point that if I felt like that, I would bunk a lesson, I'd go hide somewhere and I'd go and faint by myself somewhere or I'd like skip school, jump over a gate. Oh, actually in my school, it was really easy to just press the exit button and leave. But um, like I, I would do that and I, I kept doing that. I did go to the doctor um, when I was in my late teens and because, because of it, um, my mum took me and they sent me for the ECG and stuff because of the passing out because I think mm. they called my mum about being passed out and I had a very cool car ride home with the school nurse which was pretty <laughs> awesome um and the the doctor basically just said well we think you're faking it they completely ignored the fact that I um had said about all these other symptoms um to do with my period they just kind of dismissed it they put the implant on me in me they put it in wrong and then I ended up being on my period for six months like straight which was pretty awful and draining. Um, do you know what? They didn't even check my iron levels at any point, which is a joke when you're on your period for that long. Um, and um, after that, I was like, I'd had enough. I went and got it removed. Um, and then at uni, I just kind of ignored it. I spent a lot of my time ignoring my symptoms, just putting it down to, well, that's what happens on your period. And it was only when I started having conversations with other women about their periods that I came to realise that actually it's not normal. And it's not okay. And we all do have different, we all do have different periods, but it's not normal and it's not okay. And so um, I think it was, it was even after uni, it was when I just started teaching that I then started to push the doctors, I changed doctors. Um, I'd moved back to my mum's house, essentially, or down the road from, and I'd started pushing the doctors. And I finally, like three years after I'd started pushing, I finally got to see a specialist. Um, I was put on almost every form of contraception that there is and multiple contraception at the same time. Um, and for me, it was like I had, I think it was the Marina and the Yasmin pill at the same time. Mm. Um, and I'd only had it maybe for three or four months. I'd been hospitalized twice um, and it had gotten much worse having those extra hormones in my body. And then I had, well, my mental health got, like I didn't get low I didn't get depressed but I went almost manic and the hormones they were putting in my body was making that impossible so um without the specialist consent I didn't even wait for the appointment I went to the hospital and I got it removed um and I stopped taking the pills and within weeks I felt much better um and then at my next specialist appointment I had actually had to wait two hours over my time for the specialist um and when I finally saw the specialist she had a student in there and I said I've stopped taking the hormones it's doing all of this to me mm. rather a holistic approach or a different way because I still don't really understand it and she actually got really really annoyed at me and she was like well if you're not going to take them I can't help you and she discharged me and made me leave like I was in there for like five minutes um and like I remember going into work like I shouldn't have even gone into work that day I was just like absolutely taken aback I was crying on the bus on the way to to there and I was just like okay so I'm back to square one um and that's kind of that for me was like well do you know what if they're not going to help me I'm going to help myself so I went to the nutritionist to find out what all my body intolerances were mm -hmm. um 
to the I could control if I could control my diet um I would be able to manage some symptoms around it including Mm -hmm. like inflammation we did as a pair we did a lot of research into what foods affect me and what foods affect the condition so um, I'd avoid like spicy food in Mm. the run up to my period I would drink certain types of tea like chamomile um during my period rather than um, any other time gluten um, which I wasn't really aware of is a massive no-no for um, endometriosis it's it does yeah. cause a lot of inflammation and it can be um, for a lot of people really harmful to them so um, it was then a bit like well you have to get rid of gluten if you really want to control this and I did actually do I did it for like two months really really well I'd lost weight that I was unable to lose before even though I was healthy and working out all the time playing like five six different sports um, and I was in a really good place, even mentally, like it took me to a new level. So did you find, um, especially, obviously, that endometriosis was what you would classify as an invisible illness, if you can't see it, they, they don't know how to treat it. So as you said, going back to when you went into that um, student doctor and she was basically said to you, look, you're not going to take it, be on your way. And I mean, that happened, that does happen an awful lot in chronic conditions and especially with with invisible illness I know it did happen to me as well and that's why I stopped going to the doctor for about 10 years and do you do all the research yourself you find another way to deal with your condition and I think people don't understand that either um that when you have a chronic condition like this like any chronic condition the the things that go on in the background it's not that we just don't look sick we have to change our whole way of life because we have to teach ourselves how to treat a condition that medical experts don't know how to treat the base case and we have to advocate for ourselves um, and that's the only way it's the only way to go through it and that is down to everything it's everything you put into your body it's everything you eat. I know there's so many things I'm allergic to and things that I can't have um, and we do all that and that's only to manage symptoms I mean yeah. that does not mean that we go symptom free yeah. every day it it just it doesn't happen and and there's no research into the cure Mm. for them because females are the ones that experience those and yeah even for myself about um endometriosis I didn't I just thought like that it had got to do I'd have heard about it but nobody has ever with me gone into a deep discussion about endometriosis so it's, it's fascinating to know I didn't think I thought it was all kept to just the reproduction organs and that was about it I didn't actually understand that it, it can be an inflammation everywhere else in your body so I assume that's what would cause pain in the other areas of your body every time you have your period or your hormone spike so ovulation as well because ovulation happens a few weeks before your period um change of blood flow as well yeah yeah so where we would normally have our period it would leave our body the same thing's happening but it's staying inside our body so it has nowhere to escape which is why like I mean there are some days where I can go from like a size 10 to a size 14 within a few hours because Mm -hmm. of like the bloatation um and the inflammation and it causes like scar tissue as well Mm -hmm. so um they normally um find out you have it through look I can never pronounce it I have really bad pronunciation issues um laparoscopy they put something in you and they they have a look with a camera oh yeah and- that that big word I've brain fog yeah. as well it's these <laughs> conditions none of us can pronounce these things we'll go offline now in a minute and it'll keep popping into my head <laughs> yeah um so that's how that's how they normally um kind of like find out about like whether you've got it and what stage you're at and then you go through a phase of like basically having it lasered off 
um, which can then actually cause more scar tissue, which of course again more damage. Um, there is actually there. I mean, endometriosis is kind of gaining some um, some reduction in the stigma a little, and there's been a lot of research, but not from um, not from the UK or America or the, not from the big countries that have the money into the science and into Don't the Don't tell me Canada. Canada. Yeah, say <laughs> the Canadians, big respect to them over there. Yeah. I found the same. They are so into information and finding, <laughs> if not a cure, to find a treatment. They're big into any type of like dysautonomia conditions, yeah. invisible illness, silent disabilities. I knew that's what you were going to say because through my 17 years, any of the research that I was doing on POTS, was all coming from Canada. Yeah. So much respect for the Canadians. Um, the rest of the world would get bored now. Would be we'd be doing okay, wouldn't we? <laughs> They've um, actually uh, found um, a chemical or a something, a medicine um, that can or has in trials on mice um, reduced and reverted some mm -hmm. of the um, some of the like. The tissue and stuff from the endometriosis so there is a there is a lot of hope but because it's only really Canada doing it it might take a really long time not right for me I love the rain it's the ability to have children so one of the one of the things that specialist did say to me is she went oh it's not going to affect your ability to have children but then she looked at me and she went well actually I don't think you can have children um and that for me was like absolutely heart-wrenching. I'd always joked, I never want to have children. I want to be that naughty aunt. But at that but moment- to have it taken away from you, that's a totally different story, you know? And at that moment, it was like, actually, that's all I want. And that's why when it, when someone says, and it's it, it gets told to me all the time at work, um, you know, just have children. It's not that easy. I could go through loads and loads and loads of IVF and still not- I No guarantee. I think it's only 40% of endometriosis sufferers um, have spontaneous pregnancies that are successful um, and there's no there's no research into the effects of endometriosis on the later stages of pregnancy either you're it's highly likely you will go through a or more miscarriages and it's, there is a chance you, you can't have children and with the kind of the issues my family have in general medically with those things mm -hmm. um I feel really, I actually feel really hopeless. I, I got to a point where I would be sat in a park and I'd see like a beautiful mom and her little baby walk past and I'd just start crying because it's like, oh, I can never have that. Um, but you I, don't know, there's all, there is always hope, you know. Do you think that young females would say that there should be a class, at least when they're doing inside in school and they're learning about weed, we call it the birds and the bees here in Ireland, the Irish way. Just don't say much, just call it the birds and the bees. Went into class with the birds and the bees. Do you think they should be speaking more about this to young, yes. to young teenagers? 100%. And actually something the government has actually done is they've made it, um, it's, it's all part of RSE, so relationship and sex education, mm -hmm. and they've now made it illegal to pull your child out of that. So before you were allowed to remove your child because of um, cultural, religious, yeah. um, religious reasons, mm -hmm. now you're not allowed to do that. Um, 
the child legally has to do it as part of their education. They did take PSHE um, at one point off the curriculum and it wasn't, you didn't have to do it and they've brought it back. You do now have to do it. And part of that stipulation is about um, obviously your reproductive system, um, the biology of a person, mm. both male and female. So I work in the girls school, but we teach them both sets of biology. It's ingrained in you um, from parents and mm. school as well. So like, like I was saying before, I'm guilty of going, you're going to have a period for the rest of your life, go back to your lesson. Actually, if a young girl is in crippling pain because of her period, give her that hot water bottle and let her lie down. Um, give her the painkillers if she needs it and yeah. if she has permission, because in schools it's a little different there. Um, but give her what she needs mm-hmm. in that moment, because actually she is going to have that for the rest of her life, essentially. And she needs to know how to take care of herself when those moments happen. And we shouldn't make them stop telling us. Like, no child should sit in a classroom in pain, unable to... What's the point of them being in that lesson? They're not learning anyways. They're not Let learning them enough. Themselves. And then in the future, that means they don't speak up when they're unwell because they've been taught not to. They don't speak up when their mental health is affected because they've been taught not to. They've been no. taught to shut up and put up. And it, like we're doing an injustice to them in the way that it was done to us and we need to make sure to break the cycle yeah because it is it is a vicious cycle um do you find also that if it starts with school with with say being in school being more compassionate whether it's male or female they're going through something physically with their health um that it leads on through into the workplace because i know there's a lot of stigma out there as well that people with chronic illness are lazy why aren't you holding down a job? You'll get there. But this one has the same condition as you. No two people are the same. I hate to break it to you people. No two bodies are the same. No one experiences the same symptoms in the exact same manner. Um, me, after 20 minutes of standing up, my legs get heavy. My blood pressure drops so low. My heart rate gets so hot. I pass out. Can apply for a job. Um, it's not that easy because no company wants to like wants to give you a place basically i'm not saying no company but some companies where you're you've got an illness that's so unpredictable that it can just come out of absolutely nowhere you don't know what days you're going to be in you don't know what days you're going to be out and it's deconditioning to yourself because we have to you have to stay at home you have to look after yourself you know and this is life um do you think the in workplace matter that it should be do you know like you were saying yourself that's why i picked up on the point that within work during your lessons if you felt pain coming on you'd have to sit down for 10 minutes and because the rest of the school didn't know is it a fact that you didn't want the school to know you wanted to keep private or was there not that option wasn't there for you while working um I think I I mean I personally told the lessons that I taught if I started to get a pain of like okay girls I have this condition um I'm gonna sit down for the next 10 minutes um I actually just need you to behave extra for me um, and they normally they do normally do that but I, there is this stigma of like you don't uh, in teaching you don't tell children about yourself you don't um you have to keep all that stuff kind of private and I mean I've I particularly feel pressure of um constantly being told I like oversharing things like that when actually it's not normally me oversharing that information it's other people gossiping and sharing the wrong information mm. um but like I do think there's massively um a stigma there and almost like a hush hush about it and um it's like if if you have a child with autism in the class you wouldn't not educate the rest of the class about sure. autism because they need to understand that so I think it should be the same for all conditions mm. um if the child is happy to share it um or the teacher is then we should have those conversations we should talk about it 
there is a way and I, I think now as well with the way that the lockdown has gone and with the working from home mm. um, institutions can see that actually they can still have productive staff members working from home they don't have to be in the office so I do think and I hope that will do a lot for disabilities um, or people with disabilities and, and conditions and I hope that it means that um, actually people like us or people with those conditions don't have to hide them so much anymore yeah, bring us all back together in society you know yeah and make it more inclusive without actually physically having to go here here's a desk that's specific to your height or whatever it might be it they can just do it naturally without alienating us in trying to make us fit in or whatever it might be yeah I'm hope I'm hopeful and I'm hopeful with the research and the changes in the education system there needs to be a lot more but with the changes moving forwards um hopefully we're empowering enough younger people to step up and have that voice the voice that I didn't have when I was a child or yeah. when I was back with that specialist and because they're considered a specialist I wasn't able to advocate mm. for myself up for myself I want to give young people um or even people of any age at the moment the voice to turn around that's and go it, yeah to turn around and go actually no that's not good enough um I need better I want better you need to come back with something else or yeah. you need to do your research or you need to get me a different specialist and I think that's something that's that's really important um and something that is going to start making changes and I, I do think even from what I've seen on social media um, and maybe it's just because of the people I've changed the people I follow or mm. I've changed my circle um, but I am seeing an increase in that and um, I, I want to keep it I want to keep seeing it increase and I really want to see it continue to just kind of I want it to explode on, on yeah all. because it is, it is everything comes back down to it is all down to awareness so when everything everything in life there has to be more awareness totally more awareness of it now I'm kind of got more more fire in my belly when Blake my 14 year old started fainting and stuff and when he stands he gets really really dizzy and ringing in his ear now my dad had um, these issues since he was since he was very very young back then they told him Oh, it's, it's just called science scope, you know, um, you'll be fine, the usual. And then we kind of never put the, the two and two together when then when I was diagnosed with POTS and now with Blake, they think Blake might, they think Blake might have POTS now and they've done tests. I do laugh. They do these tests like they, the whole thing about POTS is it's the change in the posture. So they're doing heart traces while lying down. They're doing blood pressure checks while lying down we can run the world while lying down it's when we stand up where the problem is going into and even the nurse when when he was having his ecg and stuff don't she was saying oh no that's all grand no that's grand and i'm just saying to myself don't even go there carolyn don't even say anything and she and she's lovely she's known them both my wife since they were growing in my belly she's looked after them and um even she was saying I hope it's not pot, you know, because we really don't know anything much about it. I'm um, saying, yeah, I know. And only when Blake, when I had to mention this to his school recently, oh my God, they've been, they've been so amazing down there. They've given him, now he's gone into third year now. Um, so he'll be doing, well, big, big exams. They have given him a, a, a classroom buddy 
so it's someone to walk the toilet with him in case and it's an all boys school and it's a rugby school so it's a real sporting school so yes somebody there when he needs to use the toilet somebody walk inside him when he's going up and downstairs so he doesn't faint they've been so compassionate they have he can sit in with PE but he doesn't have to do anything where he has to be standing on his feet and I think it's great because it's it's now shown instead of him having to be isolated they've brought the whole school the whole school into it to make him and it makes me feel safe and secure when I'm at home because I know he's okay and if I hadn't myself went and started off making awareness of it and teaching myself on this condition side effects to it I would have put down what Blake was going through as hormonal because of his age group because when yeah. he went in and got his bloods done they all came back perfect and they said uh no it's only hormonal and I said well I have pots and he has he's having the same symptoms as I have like he'll sleep 14 to 16 hours a day come in the door and you know he just collapsed with exhaustion because we know like you know yourself chronic fatigue they mm. nice it's totally different than tiredness like it's it's a, it's a bigger level so that's now that that story has gone on onto Blake um it's it's now making awareness to his school because his school now knows about these conditions and that they're actually there and there is such thing as invisible illness and that's the way the word needs it needs to spread and that's what you know that's what we need to keep doing so I'm grateful for that in an all boys school that they're doing that um yeah. it's it's, and it's a big part stigma too and that doesn't happen mm. often in um in schools or it it used to happen less often I know that the school I work in one of the reasons I do work in it in it is because of how inclusive it is we have a girl site we have a boy site which is now becoming a mixed school we have a sixth form and we have autistic units that mm. then integrate into mainstream so like from the get-go you're taught about um everyone's taught about autism and things like that um in my year group in particular I've had children with um like junior arthritis and um cancer and low like just loads of different conditions and one thing my school does really well is we make sure we educate everyone so mm. that there is no bullying there is no stigma around what's happening and so that they know and they know how they can help and actually i find it makes children more compassionate it shows them what empathy is and just because mm. they've not experienced it um or had it in their life necessarily they learn so much more and um you telling me about how the school is supporting Blake it puts a smile on my face because actually I, I love hearing that kind of stuff about just how how students are shown from a very young age they are not different that they just have something different we all have something different about us they yeah. have something different that means they just need to do things differently sometimes but it doesn't doesn't like alienate them it doesn't mean they're not equal or anything like that and it puts them in a much better position for their future as well as then advocating when they're older in their workplaces yes. for that and so that puts a massive smile on my face yay Blake now I just want to see something to you before before we head off um exercise wise I said I'll ask you because you never get off that rocker as we call them in Ireland a bicycle <laughs> misses talk about warrior on how are you doing with the with the cycle? Um, so with with exercise and my condition, mm -hmm. there is a few days where um I won't I won't exercise. So like mm. I think it's like the first the first three, four days of my period, I won't exercise, I won't cycle. Um any other time I am 
I'm a big believer in pushing myself. Like at the moment, I had a lot of mental health issues at the beginning of the year. Mm. And I went from working out every day to not working out for like three, four months. So for me, getting back into that routine is a big struggle. And um, rooms when I tell you guys like, oh, I've been on a 58 mile cycle. I climbed 2,000 feet and all everyone's like oh my god and for me I'm like that's so rubbish I'm not like um but yeah like I like yesterday I did a 20 minute hit um even though I it felt like a 40 minute hit hit <laughs> like it was an absolute and like I walked 10 miles and when I can't physically do much I do try to walk um and I do find that actually that sometimes helps with the cramping um sometimes staying in one place it almost like keeps that muscle stuck there mm, and then it does like, like it goes into spasm yeah yeah mm. and so for me I find that walking really helps and um, meditating as well um but I get like these sudden urges as well so like that big box heel cycle I did I just get an urge I wake up and I'm like I'm gonna go and challenge myself today it's a competitive side of me it's but really- it's, it's great willpower and I think you do need that when you have when mm. you have a condition because Otherwise, you just kind of you waste you waste away, really, don't you? You really decondition yourself um, if you don't give yourself that kind of get up and go. And not just in the physical sense, but mental, because you'll go into yourself. I did for many, many years. Um, you'll go into yourself if, if you don't find that you're pushing yourself to do something. I mean, you, I'm sure you know your limits. And sometimes I wonder, do you know your limits when I see these big, mad, crazy things you do? <laughs> I get exhausted climbing the stairs. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, what Alice is doing today. Wow. It's, it's just, you know, and it, it shows a true warrior that you are, basically. I love that word, warrior. I do because I do because I do think anybody that's fighting a long term chronic condition, you are a warrior to get up every day and battle your battle a body that is battling you, you know, and just try and take the power back and say, OK, we are going to work together now or there's going to be trouble here because I'm not letting you take over. And it's good to have that mindset. We don't all have it. We haven't all gone through life with that mindset. We have had hit lows. Yeah, obviously, you know, because it's it's not an easy thing, but we have to keep doing what we're doing. We have to keep advocating and we have to just get the word out there. Mm-hmm. And speaking of words, where can people find the lovely Alice these days on your socials? you don't have um, to address the phone um, <laughs> um <laughs> dumb up boys um no <laughs> so um i'm on instagram mm-hmm. um i would say for people to find me through you um rather than um through looking for my name because i'm very secretive with my instagram because of, school of course teaching yeah of course yeah, yeah which is why i have such a strange instagram name um I do have a blog, however. So um, my blog is called Complications, um, which go. I talk a lot on there about different things. So um, I have like I write my own poems, um, which a lot of people were always shocked by because I'm a PE teacher. They're like, "You do that?" Um, I, I write a lot about like the 97% and women's rights. Um, I talk a lot about some of the traumas I've been through, but I also talk a lot about endometriosis and how endometriosis affects my life and of kind course, of personal my, blog. Yeah. Yeah. Going and um, me going through that. So I have like loads of little categories and for me, writing's an outlet. So um, if you want to keep up to date, that's probably the place to go. Um, is that, um, uh, sorry, is it that, that is that a dot com or what's your, your full address on that for people? Um, complications at wordpress.com i think um i'll send you a link to it anyway thanks a million for joining us and getting some information out there about endometriosis i know i've 
I have been taught a few things today anyway, put me in my place and hopefully you've done the same to other people. So thanks a million for joining us and thank you everybody for listening to the Warriors Unite podcast and we will see you again soon with a new warrior. Wow, well, that was another great episode. We did discuss absolutely everything and how important it was to make awareness and advocate for your condition. Thanks an absolute million, Alice, for joining us this week. I will be adding all Alice's info on our Instagram account. You can find us there at Warriors Unite Podcast or on my own page. It's called My Pots and Me. I do hope you join us all again soon as us Warriors Unite.